Hello, my name is Ran, and this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode, we interview inspiring movers, thinkers, and teachers about how they find their flow and much, much more. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Now, just so you know, I have a little bit of a cold, so I might be sounding a wee bit croaky today. I'll try and push through, though. Now, I should probably keep my talking to a minimum, so I'll tell you about today's episode. This episode is a recorded conversation between myself, co-host Joe Stewart, and William Wong. William Wong is a Melbourne-based yoga teacher with a passion for functional movement, gymnastics, qigong, reiki, and sound healing. He is the wonderfully named Instagram profile, Willy Wonka, and the equally wonderfully named website, yogathewongway.com. Man, there were a lot of W's in that sentence. Is that, is that alliteration? Anyway, William has a very strong practice but is equally committed to the more subtle aspects of yoga and meditation and projects a welcoming and often hilarious sense of humour in his teaching and his online presence. So we were very excited to get the chance to speak with him recently. Now, before we start our conversation with William, I just wanted to let you know about a very special event happening at our studio, Garden of Yoga. On Saturday the 25th of May from 1 to 4pm, Gina McCauley will be presenting her Adrenal Healing Workshop. We interviewed Gina on the podcast a few episodes back and we spoke about her workshop back then. As Joe and I were speaking with her, we both came to the realisation that this is something that we both probably could benefit from. So we asked if she could do her workshop with us and we were very happy when she said yes. This promises to be an incredible afternoon, so we would love to see you there. I'll leave a link in the show notes on our website at podcast.flowartist.com if you want to know more. All right, that is more than enough from me. Let's get on to the conversation with William. Thanks for joining us today, William. It's so good to have you here in our little podcast recording studio. We wanted to call it that. AKA Kitchen. <laughs> so um, perhaps we could start by telling us a little bit about your background and where you grew up. Yeah, sure. No, yeah, thanks for having me. It's really exciting to, to do my first podcast. <laughs> my name's William Wong. I was born in Melbourne and I grew up in Bourne North and went to school there as well. And my, my mum's from Taiwan, my dad's from Hong Kong and they, they moved not entirely sure, but I know that they met in Sydney and my mum went to high school here and then my dad went to university here as well. All my sisters were born in Melbourne as well. And so, yeah, pretty much born and bred here. And so, how did you get to the yoga? It's, it's quite a long-winded story. Uh, I try and keep it quite concise, but basically I finished uni and I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I'd, Initially, obviously coming from an Asian background, my parents are very keen for me to, you know, be like a doctor or a lawyer or something that is sort of a guaranteed future in, in their eyes. And, but that's not really something that I wanted. So in, we sort of reached a compromise and initially I wanted to be a vet and I thought, well, an animal doctor is kind of what you guys want. <laughs> and then I didn't quite get into that easily. Like I could have gone there through other pathways, but it's like, it's very difficult to get into that, into veterinary science. Yeah. It's harder than medicine, right? It's just like, I don't know what it is, 99 point something. Yeah. And so I also had like architecture, landscape architecture as an interest as well, especially the more landscaping side um, to work with nature or to deal with nature. And so I, I ended up doing landscape architecture as a degree. And then I went on and did a, a master's. I, so I did some further studies in urban horticulture and studied for about six and a half years. And then I realized that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> oh, your parents must have been so pleased. Oh, they were thrilled. <laughs> yeah, for someone who didn't really want to go the academic route, you really stuck with it. Yeah, for six and a half years, that's yeah. how long it took me to realize yeah. that's yeah. not what I wanted. Wow. And I think it was probably a very sort of pivotal moment was when I was in Sweden and I was doing, a, I was there for an exchange master's subject and I loved it. It was a great experience, but it was sort of then that I realized, yeah, this isn't what I want to do with my life. And 
So when I got back, I, a friend of mine was applying for Jetstar as a flight attendant. So I, I became a flight attendant for, ended up being three years. And I was surprised that I got in and I got through the, all the processes and because it was not at all like my area of expertise, like hospitality. I mean, I'd done a bit of hospitality and customer service things, but not a lot. And, and so, yeah, I was surprised I got through and I did that for three or so years. I ended up moving over to Virgin Australia as well, working for them, which is really fun. And around about that time as well, when I was working for the airlines, I started needing a bit more, a bit more, I don't know what you want to call it, stimulation or, you know, and it was a good lifestyle and uh, really great people, pretty easy job. But I started pursuing more the health and fitness side of things and I ended up becoming an instructor for Les Mills, a body pump instructor and teaching group fitness. So through that, that's sort of how I started to get more into yoga because I used to teach body balance, which incorporates Tai Chi, yoga, a bit of Pilates. And so I really loved the, I guess the the more yoga side of things. And even at the end, there's like a relaxation track. And I would have loved to have incorporated more of, I don't know, more of me, I guess. Because it's a set sequence, right? It is. It's it's, it's that choreographed sequence to music. And so you're sort of meant to be doing a certain thing at a certain time. And if you want to kind of add your own stuff, there's no time really. And so that's what led me more towards yoga. Because I was like, I want to put in a bit of more of me and, and what I believe in and, you know, my own sort of flavor into my teachings. And at the same time, that's when I started to uh, leave the airlines and I became a manager at a gym. And through that, I eventually got a job at Lululemon and then yoga just somewhere along the line. I, I did yoga as well, partly because I was a manager and in case an instructor, you know, was sick or didn't show up, I could fill in for them. And partly because I was genuinely really interested in it. And And they seem quite supportive. Like I've had a few classes where suddenly like 20 people from Lululemon have all shown up Mm. because the organization pays for you to go to yoga classes. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. So they support their staff in their health and well-being, And also they'd like their staff to be, I guess, educated and, and know what the teachers are like, what's available so that when guests, when customers come into the store, they can tell them where to go. They can recommend teachers. And if they want to go to Pilates or boxing, then, then we can say, oh, well, this teacher at this studio is really good. I'd recommend that, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so do you have any early key teachers for you who really kind of lit that spark up in you and it's like, yes, this is what I want to do? Mm. Deb Langley? So I've done a little bit of training with her as well through like Laughing Lotus. I recently went to India with her in Rishikesh um, end of last year. And so I think I must have been doing the the Modern Yogi Project at Power Living. So that's, I did my 200 hours with Power Living. I can't remember. I think it was a few years ago now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think just before I signed up for my teacher training, I was, I did the, the Modern Yogi Project. And so that, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, but it's, uh, look, even I'm not even, (laughs) basically like they would recommend you do a certain number of practices every week. And I think it was a a few like vinyasas, a few yin to, I'm sure it was, there's things about journaling and every week you would meet with the group and you'd sort of discuss the, the week's theme and, and what's been going on in your life, what you've you know, become aware of what you've noticed uh, through the practice or in your everyday life. And so through that, I started going weekly to, I think it was Deb's Tuesday night class, because I think that was the only one of hers I could fit in. And yeah, and I just fell in love with her and her teaching style, what she had to offer. And it's also the first time I heard the harmonium and the the chanting at the end of the class. And I remember, I think it was in Shavasana and she started playing and I just remembered hearing the sound and sort of feeling the the vibration. And I was thinking, what is that? Like, I I need more of this. (laughs) Like, it was just, I didn't even know she was playing. I wasn't sure what was going on, but I just, I could feel that it was what I needed more of. 
And actually it was a few years before I actually then got my own harmonium, but I just remember that was the first time and that sort of stuck with me. And so I guess it was all of it, the whole experience that really made me fall in love with yoga and realize how powerful it can be. And like sound meditation and sound in yoga is like a really big area of interest for you, right? For sure. Yeah. So it's, so probably last year I started really delving into it a lot more. I've always loved music. I think, you know, I don't really know anyone who doesn't, but, but, <laughs> but like I was, I was in choirs when I was younger and I played the piano since I was four years old or something crazy like that and and it was actually not something my crazy Asian parents forced me to do and I shouldn't call them crazy they're just they're my lovely loving parents um, we want the best for you yeah totally totally it was actually my request when I was four I was like I want to learn the piano and so I did but then they kind of forced me to stick with it because there were many times I was like I don't want to do it anymore and they were like no you have to get to a certain grade and you need to once you get to there you can then give up but you need to commit to it once you which was I'm glad they did that so yeah I've always had a bit of a musical back I'm not I wouldn't say I'm naturally musically gifted at all in any way shape or form and... sounds like you might be a little bit <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, hopefully, <laughs> but I wouldn't say I could sing a tune that easily. Like I'd have to kind of hear it a few times and I can't really just sing a note. Some people just sort of know what note, what key, all of that. I'm not that great at that. But, um, but yeah, I appreciate music. And, Sounds like and, the discipline and the practice yeah. of it is actually more your approach. Mm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a, a lot of my upbringing has has made me think that way and then my perspective as well is is sort of a lot more like you said, more disciplined, but, um, yeah, I'm hoping to bring a bit more balance into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you've got that now yeah. to explore the spontaneity exactly. and the yeah. a bit more. Yeah. So last year I started doing a lot more chanting in my classes. I did, I think it was last year with Melai Swan and Nada yoga training, like yoga of sound and mantras. Uh, which was beautiful, so so lovely. She's, I think you guys have, um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah she's, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So she's such a beautiful person. So, as that really inspired me, and prior to that, I'd done a training or more just an introduction to harmoniums with Mel Dobra, and she she teaches voice coaching and things as well but specifically I learned like the harmonium and and a specific chant and a song with her and that was a few years ago and it, it took me probably about two years to actually have the guts to like <laughs> start chanting in my classes and, and whip out the harmonium. How have you found yeah. people have responded to it? So generally everyone's really positive and there have been quite a few times I'd say almost every class there'll be maybe one or two people that come up and say that they just spontaneously started crying Aww. like it would just bring tears and it wouldn't necessarily be joy or, or sadness or grief, but it's just emotion. I think just, like just that release. yeah, a release, yeah, yeah. and and it's like uncontrolled and and it's it's quite beautiful. Mm. And and they always they always don't really know what's going on, but they can just feel it moving through them. And generally, because I'm at Humming Puppy, which has the constant vibration already, so. I do find that most of the people that come, they do have that interest in, in sound and vibration already. And so they're perhaps more open to it. So I guess bringing out harmonium and chanting isn't such a big... Like people are coming, they're already kind of more musically yeah. minded anyway. Exactly. It's not too far out of their comfort zone. But definitely there are... I can think of a few people that it doesn't, like it doesn't resonate with them. And either they'll just put up with it, they'll sit through it, or they just will avoid me in my class. Yeah, I mean, and it's only, it's only one class a week generally that I do it in, like a longer 75 minute one. So, and that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so what's it like teaching with the vibrations at Humming Puppy? Yeah. Have you guys been? I've been once yeah. um, a while back. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Have you noticed like any, like any kind of differences in the way that you teach or the way that people respond? Definitely because it's it's like a, a darker space and you know the lighting's also very specific. It's like strip lighting and you can dim it and turn it up and like all the walls are black. It's very much designed to 
I guess make you go within yourself. It's often described as almost going back into the womb sort of thing. So it's definitely very conducive to more like yin, restorative, we call it mellow hum, those sorts of classes. It allows people to really sink in and it really makes my job so much more easy. <laughs> and the challenge is more with the, the dynamic or the vinyasas, the flows, the power flows. And when I started teaching there, because I, I think I went from a hot yoga studio and more like a power flow studio to Humming Puppy. And initially I, I could play whatever music I liked, you know, I could turn it up when I wanted to amp it up and bring up the energy and all of this. So, so the music could very much help set the tone for me. Whereas at Humming Puppy, we initially did have some tracks that you could put on, but when I started teaching there, I think I tried it maybe once or twice and for me I found it, it detracted a little bit from the hum and I really wanted to emphasise the mm -hmm. hum. For me that's a huge part of it. And I guess like your voice and the hum and another music mm. track, like that's a lot yeah, of totally, sounds going totally. on. Yeah, totally, totally. And the tracks, like they were, it was a set track. It was designed specifically at the right frequency to match with the hum and to blend with it. But yeah, like you said, I, I found it, it was, it was a bit much. And for me, and I was like, if it's too much for me, then it's probably too much for some students. Yeah, because they've got their own bodies going on as yeah, well. Like they've got their own, their own, voices. Their own voice. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So yeah, I started just doing the hum and eventually soon after that, I think we just implemented that. Let's all just consistently just have the hum then. So when I did first start teaching there, it was quite daunting because it's so, it's so dark and we're on a platform, like not every studio has like a teacher's platform and, and we've even got a little microphone and I did feel like I was a little bit like doing a performance. Yeah, because you know? the mats are kind of stadium style as exactly. well, Exactly, right? yeah, yeah, there's a tiered studio, so there's three levels as well. So all of that was a big change for me and not having music to rely on was also a big thing, but it was good because it forced me to use my voice, like to learn how to use my voice to use different tone, volume, pace, and use that to, to amp it up or bring it down. And I did find that initially I slowed down a lot. <laughs> like it would make me really breathe and, and be present. And I, I don't know if it's, because of the, the atmosphere and how it looked or whether it's the, the hum because you know, like the vibrations were yeah because well. exactly because it is actually at the frequencies of, of Schumann's resonance and there's also a, a gamma brainwave frequency injected as well and these these certain frequencies well the Schumann's is just briefly it's it's similar to the earth's resonance so it's helping you realign to the vibration of the earth which can it's believed to be really grounding and then the gamma is like the way I understand it is that it's sort of that state when you're in a meditative almost trance-like state and it can help you sink in a little more and also I've been told that even certain psychics and mediums can sort of access that more easily in order to channel and, and that's that's sort of on a side note but when I'm teaching there I do feel like I'm a lot more connected to whatever you want to call it spirit consciousness and I do sometimes I go in there and then an hour later I walk out and I'm like I have no idea what I said like I'm sure this happens in other studio other spaces with other teachers as well but I find there it's it's almost a lot easier to just tap into that that energy or that power, whatever you want to call it, or even yeah, connect to, to like God. <laughs> get out of your thinking analytical brain yeah. and just tune into the energy of everyone totally. there. Yeah. And to get into that state of just bringing through whatever needs to be said or felt or, yeah. That sounds super powerful. Mm. So that's, yeah, that's one of the, the major differences, I suppose, in teaching in that space. And so have you recently done another sound healing course as well? Mm. Yeah, yeah. You probably know my life better than me. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a very comprehensive Instagram. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> yeah, in the Blue Mountains, I went to do a... What did they call it? It's a 
foundations in integral sound healing and it was a four-day course and we covered tibetan singing bowls crystal singing bowls tuning forks which i now am in love with i actually bought some so i can maybe play around with them with you guys later if you like I, i'm not sure if the sound will work through this but we can just do it in our, in our own yeah, time yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little teaser for the folks at yeah, home exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and gongs and shamanic drumming and, and using our voice as well, which I just almost lost when saying that. <laughs> it's just like an introduction to all of these instruments and different modalities of healing through sound. And then if I want to do level two, which I probably will do, then it, it gives me a, a diploma, the, the piece of paper. <laughs> and I guess more opportunity to kind of study and be in that group learning environment and to experience all of these different instruments being played by someone who's really adept at... Mm -hmm. Yeah. The principle of sound healing, please fill me in. Is it about like tones that resonate with your energy or what's happening there? Yeah, look, I, <laughs> I, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but... <laughs> My understanding and my perception is is yeah similar to that. Like we all have a certain resonance or, or vibration, and I guess a good way to think about it is to maybe think about the chakras as well and how they're some of the major energy centers in the body that well, has as far as we understand it. And when when they're in balance, there's a general sort of range that they resonate at or they vibrate at and when they're out of balance you know they could be higher than this range or lower than this range and, and of course we're all individual and it all vary for each of us and then you can basically go further into that and say that each each cell has its own resonance as well it's a resonant frequency and each cell perhaps there's a, a certain level of equilibrium that it wants to maintain as well and when it's at that level it, it's a certain frequency and same thing if it goes a little bit higher or lower then it, it goes out a little bit and then that can influence the cells around it which can influence more and more and and so i guess with sound therapy it's starting to bring it back to balance but at a cellular level like it, the the sounds of vibrations can penetrate a little bit deeper than just the surface layer like you can you know with music and sound you can sort of feel it through your i mean i think you can sometimes even just feel it in your bones really like it can just go so much deeper and so similar to at humming puppy when you're immersed in a certain frequency they call it entrainment so if you're in that environment if you're in that vibration you start to vibrate in a similar way and it's like if, if something's, you can do, like do it with tuning forks or, or singing bowls or something, if something's resonating at a higher frequency or higher vibration, then a, a thing of, of similar will eventually vibrate to match that. So I guess with sound healing, we use certain sounds or frequencies or instruments to help bring the body back into balance. So whether it's at a cellular level, whether it's an organ, whether it's, you know, focusing on the, a chakra if, and because there's so much done that sort of knows what notes or even what colors, what frequencies resonate with certain chakras. So then we can use that to choose what sort of instrument and, and how we want to sort of play it in order to balance that that center or that body part or that organ. I could imagine as well, sound meditation, it can sometimes be a way into that meditative state of mind that requires a bit less effort than mm -hmm. if it was just breath focused mm -hmm. and so some people might use a visualization to mm -hmm. work on a chakra or work on an emotional situation in their lives mm -hmm. like sound would be some people would just respond more naturally to audio and to vibration whereas other people would be more visual and other totally. people would be more movement based mm -hmm. or more like concentration and focus based yeah no that's that's very true and i think it is like a more a more subtle form of healing but yet it can still be just as powerful and and yeah, like you said, you don't have to necessarily do as much. Your job can sometimes just be to completely relax and surrender to it and just allow the sound and the vibration, like your let your body and everything just 
do its its yeah work like if without. it gets you into that relaxation yeah. response and that just is the right system of the body to promote healing and to promote immunity and relaxation and exactly. everything so yeah. that's a little shortcut in there that's yeah. like enjoyable as well totally yeah, yeah. As we've seen so far, you've got a real appreciation for the more subtle aspects of yoga, but you've also got quite a strong physical practice. Mm-hmm. And is this something that you've found easily or is it a constant evolution in finding your balance mm. here? It's a good question and it definitely it's, it's constantly changing and evolving for sure. I guess coming from the more the gym background initially and the, the group fitness, the the physical side was quite big for me and and it it still plays a pretty major role except i would say that my physical practice is more gymnastics based now more strength focused and 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 a lot of it is to to maybe complement the the asana side of things which which i often tell my students and speak about how asana is very much always pushing you know you you can't really pull a lot and so you tend to overuse certain muscles and areas like all the chaturangas so i started getting actually it probably started from getting pain in certain areas of the body and feeling a bit imbalanced and that sort of led to doing other other disciplines other sports other yeah other sort of training and I found, I guess, gymnastics is one that I really enjoy and one that works well, sort of hand in hand. So, so yeah, I probably mix it up with gymnastics, swimming and, and yoga asana. And from that, because I've become more physical in other things that I do, the yoga has become less physical, which has allowed me to explore a lot more of the, yeah, the subtler forms and, and definitely meditation. I think if there was something that I would be able to do every day, like that I would incorporate into my daily practice, like a non-negotiable, it would be meditation. That's something I do every day without fail for my own sanity, pretty much. Hey guys, just popping in for a moment to tell you a little bit about our new Patreon page. Now, this podcast will always be available for free, but from as little as $1 a month, you can help support the podcast. Higher tiers get great benefits such as shoutouts on the podcast, and we'll get to some at the end of the episode. And as well as that, they get access to extra special content. And in addition, we've just launched a brand new tier. Co-founder and former president of Yoga Australia, Lee Blaschke, has very generously donated two iRest meditations that he recently recorded. These will be available to the first 10 people who support us at the new tier, so get in quick. Now, we're not just pocketing this money. Our first aim is to be able to provide transcriptions of our new episodes for the hearing impaired. And these services can cost up to $1 a minute, which is a lot for an hour-long episode, let alone two hour-long episodes a month. We would love your support, so please go to patreon.com slash flowartistspodcast to learn more. I'll leave a link in our show notes. All right, let's get back to the conversation with William. And so if it's okay to ask, like, what is your daily practice? Like, do you do a sound practice? Like me, it's sort of, it changes all the time. (laughs) So at the moment, I would say that I will definitely meditate 30 to 60 minutes a day. And often it's at nighttime before I go to bed. But sometimes I'll do a second one probably in, in the afternoon. Uh, eventually I would like to do morning, probably do more morning meditations, but at the moment just with my schedule and, and my lifestyle, I don't really, I just don't really know what I do in the morning, to be honest. <laughs> it just, it's a bit of a blur. <laughs> <laughs> that morning meditation just doesn't work for me. I just, mm. yeah, I find it easier to get into that good headspace in the evening or afternoon. Yeah, and I think that's sort of where I'm at. I think because I teach a lot of later classes, I don't wake up really early, maybe 9, 10-ish, yeah. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> later. <laughs> and, and I find, yeah, similar to you were saying, right, that the nighttime, I, I feel 
more connected perhaps i don't know if it's the moon or <laughs> and yeah I, i think i can almost feel the energy a little bit more at night just me personally and so that's usually in the evening and then during the day i usually will wake up and i'll do more movement based things so i usually start the day with kapalabhati and then oh oh actually before that i do like the oil pulling and the tongue scraping that's just something i've been oh, doing oh i think if you're yeah. doing all of those ayurvedic rituals like that kind of is like a meditation yeah. especially because the oil pulling takes ages <laughs> it does it really does why well, you sort of do it on the toilet usually like, i don't know if that's too much information but... it's practical yeah yeah it's so it's fun. Fun. It's, it's, it stimulates you know and i brush my teeth while i'm in the shower Like, you know, you're a multitasker. Totally. <laughs> yeah, you can edit that out if you like. <laughs> oh no, that's the poor yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the long way. Yeah. <laughs> so then I do that and then asana, so I used if it was a year ago and we were having this conversation, I probably would have been doing 1 to 2 hours of asana every morning as well. But now it's more like 10 15 minutes probably just sort of more stretching i would suppose and and maybe an odd handstand here and there <laughs> <laughs> and then that would sort of get me going for the day in terms of sound because in my classes i have to where that's one of the things we we need to do is to play the singing bowls at least once during the class and and generally it's to help people come out of shavasana so I feel like I get a bit of the benefits there. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've got I recently bought my own bowls as well. So I do play them a little bit. I'm just a bit wary of my neighbors and my housemates. So I <laughs> <laughs> think they may not appreciate those healing oh, vibrations. God, well, yes, look, I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like they're banging on the door like I'm really relaxed, but I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Could you stop it with the inner peace from upstairs? <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah I I do definitely play them yeah at least probably once a day but it just sort of varies I don't really have a, a routine a set routine with that yet but I have also used my my tuning forks to help me relax at night before going to bed I find that that really helps put me in a state as well That's probably my self practice. So. That sounds pretty yeah. comprehensive. <laughs> It kind of actually sounds like what most people would do on a retreat. <laughs> <laughs> And I am running one soon. So, oh, there you know. go. You're chasing the one lifestyle. <laughs> Where's yeah. your retreat? I mean, it's not that soon. It's in end of July, and it will be in Ubud. Beautiful. And, yeah, and I've I've called it yoga and and healing, like a retreat that focuses on on yoga and and different healing modalities so things that I'm passionate about things that I've learned and that I can incorporate and that I can share and like what a beautiful place with just that resonance of healing mm -hmm. and meditation yeah there's there's all these like temples there's I think uh, like a water temple with I haven't actually been there but I've been told about it and and it's it's going to be part of the package where you know we can go to this temple and sort of immerse in the the waters which are meant to be blessed and help to to cleanse and purify and Yeah. Got some massages. <laughs> some massages and there's also a place called Pyramids of Chi. I'm not sure if you guys have I heard, heard of it. So it's I think it's a relatively new. I want to say it was built less than a year ago, but I I could be wrong. And I haven't been but a few friends of mine have been and I know some of the people that do sound healings there. And I know a bit of the background. There's all this science behind it. Like I think they've been they've been modeled off the the pyramids of Egypt, and they're also in certain arrangement. I think it's the Orion constellation that they're arranged in. So there's like sacred geometry behind it. I think there's perhaps you know like crystal grid stuff and. All of this stuff that I'm fascinated by, but I don't know a lot about, so I'm not going to go into yeah. too much. <laughs> you probably learn when you're there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah hopefully. <laughs> but I think there's like a, a sun pyramid and there's a moon pyramid, and they use different ones depending on the the season or the phase that the moon's in, and they they basically do sound healing in these structures. And there's been all this research about how pyramids help to amplify vibration and energy and healing and 
and how the original pyramids of Egypt, they're, they're not really tombs or burial chambers, they're, they're more these vibrational healing chambers. And so that's the main premise of, so I want to take everyone with me there so we can just totally get healed. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of touched on this a little bit, but you have the very intuitive vibrational healing side, but also you have your handstand loving, like strong <laughs> practice loving side. Do you find that people show up to your class expecting a certain thing from you? Mm, good question. I have to say, I, I don't really know. I do know that some people like, I mean, I guess we, we can't help but not have an opinion of someone or a judgment of someone and, and sort of these preconceived ideas based on maybe first impressions or what we see on social media or what, what they look like, the physical appearance. So I, I know that I get that because I've been told sometimes that people are afraid of my classes or because of my Instagram or, or because of what I look like. They think maybe they're super strong or maybe I'm really tough or you know it's hard to say what people think of me but i think there is yeah i think there definitely is that influence and the problem is i'm constantly changing and my posts are like all over the shop like one minute i'm chanting on the harmonium the next i'm like you guys saw it like i'm naked doing a handstand <laughs> and then i'm like making a joke in one post and then i'm all deep and meaningful in another so I think the best thing that people would get from that is that they, they don't know what to expect from coming to my class. But yeah, definitely in the past, I think when I was a lot more physical with it, I tended to attract that and, you know, like, like attracts like. So whether or not I was intentionally putting it out there or, you know, whether they were looking for that, it would just sort of happen naturally, I think. Whereas now what I focus on doing is just being me and being as as real or truthful as authentic as i can be so that hopefully i attract people like that as well who are just looking to be themselves as well and like isn't that um, what the practice of yoga is all about yeah, like totally. exploring who you are and... exactly yeah and i actually love your instagram like it's <laughs> it's um really hilarious i think that like you're willy wonka on instagram right yeah, and yeah. yoga the warm way on <laughs> yes yes and i think that online yoga social media world like needs more levity and more humor because some people's feeds it's very curated and mm. very polished and i don't know how seriously they take themselves in real life but mm. um mm. online very much so and i think it's just this thing of like you don't want your teacher to be up on a pedestal mm. and somehow separate from everyone else mm -hmm. and separate from all of the things that make us human and fallible totally. and we're all mm. just figuring this out. So I think it's great to like express mm. that aspect of who you are online oh, as thank well. You. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's exactly how I feel too. I think initially when I first, because I was quite resistant to having Instagram initially because I know what I'm like and I, I get obsessed with things and I get addicted to things very easily as well. And, and I, social media is so addictive. It really is. And, and then I can also get quite vain and superficial as well if I let myself. <laughs> so so that was, they were all my fears in the lead up. But after I did my, I think it was my 300 hour training with Bryce Yoga, like Dice and Bryony, who were, Good friends of mine. Oh, I'd like to say they're good friends of mine. They might not consider me a good friend. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think they're good friends of mine. So there was a business module. And so they really spoke about balancing the yoga side and the business side, which I'm still struggling with. And I think a lot of yogis do as we're kind of at one. Sometimes we, you know, we just want to be like in the moment and just go with the flow and not really think about the future. But then we're broke and we don't have any money. And then we sort of have to think of the future and have to think of the more business side of things. So it's sort of finding that balance and so eventually I was like okay I'm just gonna go with it see what happens and and now I guess I kind of use it yeah as a way to express myself maybe to inspire some people to track my own journey to connect with people overseas and and it's also given me lots of opportunities too so so I'm, I'm glad I've done it. Well, it's how I got to know about you. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like anything, there's the pros and the cons, and it's sort of how you how you manage it, how you use it in your own way. That I, can, guess, yeah. I guess it's that self-awareness thing as well, where you're like, okay, I know I have these tendencies, so I'm just going to keep the svadhyaya, the self-study going. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. How much time am I spending online? Yeah. How yeah. much time am I spend choosing the right filter for the same day? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Do you ever curate or censor or kind of go to say something and then be like, 
oh, hang on, this is also a representation of my professional life mm-hmm. or the other way and just be like, no, this is what's on my mind. This is what I'm going to put out there. Or is it pretty yeah. spontaneous? Look, I would say initially all the time I would be like, oh, is this too much? How will I phrase this? You know, do people even want to know about this? And and often what comes to mind is, am I doing this for me or am I doing it for them? Like, mm-hmm. is this for my audience or am I just wanting to promote myself? And is it just my ego really? And, you know, I still have those conversations now, but I'm starting to have more clarity around that and, you know, what I really want to offer And I think a a lot of it is for myself. I I think a lot of social media is about that. It's, you know, it can be quite narcissistic and, but I do like to have a bit more to it than just making it about me. And so that's sort of where I want to go more with it. I think, you know, making it more about others or, or at least, you know, this is what I'm going through. This is my experience. Hopefully you can take something out of it. I must say my favorite posts are the ones where something has just happened in your everyday life that might be kind of hilarious. It has made you kind of, you know how when we're a yoga teacher, Mm. we have a way that we want to interact with the world, with Mm -hmm. compassion and with equilibrium and Mm -hmm. with kindness and with self-awareness. And sometimes you're just in this situation where it's like, what is a yogi going to (laughs) do? Just these like hilarious everyday encounters where, you know, maybe you're like, oh, maybe I didn't handle that too well. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. this is something crazy that happened. Like, I think though, like that's an aspect of a yoga life as well. Like not taking yourself too seriously. For sure. We're all just figuring this life out. Totally, totally. And I think it's really important that we, that we share that stuff that, you know, it makes us human, what keeps us like connected and the similarities that we have. And actually something that has come up, and I, I kind of want to do a post on it, but I'm not sure how to word it yet. And, and that's often how some of mine start. A lot of my, the ones that are really long, <laughs> so it's like two pages or essays, they're sort of, they've been something that's been stirring around and in the head, in the back of my mind for a while. I'm just not exactly sure what my message is yet or how I want to word it. But there's definitely something around what people think of us and their expectations of us as yoga teachers or people that want to help inspire others and we're not perfect for sure like definitely not and you know we're not we're not better we're not necessarily further along any path or anything it's just we have something to offer and what I sort of want to say is that a few times probably in the last few months I've had people and and I'd say that some were friends perhaps some were lovers perhaps <laughs> some were basically people that I would piss off somehow in one way or another or had pissed off and they would often come back to me and they, they would pull the card like they'd be like oh well you're a yoga teacher you're meant to be your zen you're you should know better like you shouldn't have done that or why did you say this or why did you let that happen and, and some of the time I was in the wrong or I did acknowledge that I didn't behave a certain way or I could have done something better and I'll apologize but I I just find it a bit odd that they would pull that card when you know I'm still a human like I make mistakes as well so there's no need to attack my profession in a relationship situation it's like well I'm not the yoga teacher here like you're not in my class exactly yeah I'm only zen when I'm for that one hour (laughs) the rest of the day (laughs) yeah it's come up a bit and I'm sure it doesn't just happen to me I'm sure it's I think sometimes we do it to ourselves as well we're kind of like Mm -hmm. whoa that wasn't very yogic of me like I should have handled that better yeah, but I mean, just because we're yoga teachers, it doesn't mean we're not human. We haven't evolved past humanity. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And if anything, a lot of us have been led to yoga because we're like crazy and you're writing. Oh, definitely. We came to yoga for a reason. Like, exactly. <laughs> So. <laughs> Something else that like you share really upfront and honestly, which a lot of yoga teachers maybe don't, is when you're working with injuries in your body as well. Because I think sometimes that is the perception, like, oh, I do yoga, I am somehow superhuman and <laughs> immune from any kind of physical strain or... Yeah, so look, I'm lucky and I'm very fortunate that I, that I haven't been seriously injured. Uh, yet <laughs> and I've been dealing with wrist stuff quite a lot lately and I think the main thing that I've learned and something that one of my teachers has taught me is is to really not own it 
like once you say that you've got it and you've claimed it it's like it's it's almost like it's stuck with you you know that you're stuck at that energy that belief like you just keep telling your wrist that it's injured yeah you're like oh i'm injured i can't do i can't do that today and i'm still injured i'm I'm injured and like you know you tell everyone you're injured and or like when someone comes in they're like oh this is my bad knee yeah totally It's, it's the same thing so they'll just completely avoid moving it or doing poses that might stimulate the tissue or might potentially help it recover or heal in a certain way. So I approach it in, definitely I want to try to approach my injuries with more compassion. That's something that I'm working on and understanding. And I guess as yoga teachers, we're always teaching our students to become really aware of their bodies and to be more more sensitive, more tuned in to what is showing up in their bodies, what your body might be communicating to you, what emotions might be coming up. So that's something I've been wanting to delve into more with my body and my injuries. Like, what is this telling me? On a physical level, yeah, I'm overusing my hands, my wrists, I'm doing too much, or I'm not warming up enough. But then you can go deeper and a more sort of esoteric sort of belief the, the hands, the arms, they're, they're about control and wanting to maybe even grasp things or being a control freak. And so how does that affect where I am in my life or how does that represent where I'm at right now? And then you can even go into like, you know, left and right being, you know, masculine on the right, feminine on the left or, or the right being more future and the left being past and it's like well what am i wanting to control in the in the future because at the moment it's my right which is usually my left side of the body it's always showing things are showing up in my left but lately it's been right and so it's it's like well maybe there's a shift in me what's going on am i thinking a lot more about the future am i worrying about something that's coming up and a lot of the healing and you can heal the physical to some extent but it's it's all connected as we know the mind and body and so I think you often need to go at a deeper level as well and think, well, what is the lesson here? What is my body or what is the universe wanting to show me through this imbalance, this injury? And thinking of it as maybe more of a sign or a phase or something that you're moving through rather than owning that as I'm injured and this is mine. I think a lot mm. of fear comes up as well because mm. we really need our bodies to do our jobs as mm-hmm. yoga teacher. And you can definitely use your words more. Yeah. But I think a lot of fear comes up when there is an injury and already you're like, oh my goodness, am I going to be able to still do all the classes that I need to do this week? How am I going to have time to rest this if I need to keep teaching? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that was probably the first month because most of my injuries or they're not even really, in, sometimes they're just like, I've just overdone something. And I'd say within generally a one, two weeks, I, my recovery is pretty good. I, I have to say, and I, I tend to be able to adapt to changes and things really quickly. I think I've just always been like that. Or maybe it's just because I believe that I am. So I am. <laughs> you make it true. Exactly. But this wrist at the moment, it's it's probably, I'd say it's almost back to normal, but it's it's been over two months, which is rare for me. And especially because I've been off, look, I haven't been off it completely, <laughs> but I've reduced a lot of what I do on my hands. And in my classes, I pretty much don't demonstrate anything at the moment. I'll just use students as demonstration models <laughs> or, or just, yeah, use my words, like you said. And so it's forced me to look at things at a deeper level. It's one of those things, yeah. you know, our struggles are our biggest teachers. Yeah. Even if at the time it's a bit annoying. <laughs> no, totally, totally. And yeah, and it's taught me acceptance as well which is a big thing just to accept that's where I'm at and I sort of recently realized that I think initially I was thinking it was about controlling and and you know needing to know what's going to happen and everything but I realize at the moment I'm not really caught up in what's going to happen and I am quite good at just letting things go and, and trusting that things will happen in their due course and so I was like well why isn't it healing what's going on and I started to get a bit annoyed about that and then it wasn't until oh, maybe a week or so ago where if I can't play around in my hands today, then maybe I'll actually do some work. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I started doing more about business cards and website stuff and basically things that I've been wanting to do for a while, just been putting off probably because I'll just play on my hands and also, you know, just play around. <laughs> And it wasn't until I started doing that that I actually noticed big changes in my wrist. And I'm like, okay, I think I get it now. It's oh, like, interesting. Yeah, it's like I was directing my control, my energy towards the wrong things. And now it's like, you're meant to be doing this right now. So focus on this. Once you do that, 
then you can move on. Like your body mind was like, I'm going to give you a message you can't ignore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was my interpretation of it. I read a really beautiful Instagram post of yours and it was around the new year and it was all about how the last few years you've had a real focus on like delving in and doing the deep work and kind of cracking things open and mm -hmm. working yourself mm -hmm. and this year was going to be your year of cruising <laughs> and just letting things flow and I thought that was really interesting mm -hmm. because I think sometimes we can really get in a paradigm of like this is who I am like it can be just another way of pushing ourselves really mm -hmm. to constantly like digging deeper into ourselves and I think it's can potentially be really powerful just to be okay I'm going to take some integration time I'm going to just chill for a bit mm -hmm. but I was also wondering like how's it going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how's the cruise has it been easy or has it been hard <laughs> I think we all know the answer to that <laughs> I'm generally not that great at just cruising but I have to say this year I haven't done a lot and things have just been falling into my lap or plonking into my lap heavily <laughs> and there've been there's so many opportunities so many things that I'm doing at the moment and it's uh, in fact, I think it was, you know, a few days ago, I actually had to just say to, or to myself or to the universe or to whatever, just to slow down, like, to calm down. Because like, <laughs> I was like, it was getting a little overwhelmed. There was just, I think for me, I generally need a bit of momentum to start going. That's just how I've, how I've been since <laughs> childhood. I've needed the little push to get out of bed. But then once I get going, I start to build momentum and then it's like, nothing can stop me and I just roll and roll and at the moment I'm in that I'm rolling down the hills <laughs> but the it's it's a steep slope so it's like I need it to just flatten out a little bit but I do like you're right and and my post is still applicable because last year it was about some major changes like coming out of a, a long-term relationship and and really focusing on on me and I guess I had a lot more time to do that and it gave me a chance to look at some more more deep things maybe some traumatic things some childhood things and things that I had been ignoring or just didn't have the time or energy to to face and so that yeah that year was very quite full-on in 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 a good way but like a yeah, year of growth it was yeah it was and then and I think there's, there's always more, like I'm not saying I'm, I'm done with that, but it's like, I feel like a yeah, year's enough for now. <laughs> and I just want to enjoy a bit of, you know, what I've done, what I've, what I've dug up and sort of let that grow and air that a little bit before I dive in. Can <laughs> we start digging in again? <laughs> <laughs> See what flowers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What, what fruits I can eat. <laughs> So in, in that line, what aspect of yoga do you think you're most interested in exploring in your practice and teaching moving forward? That's a good question. So definitely still a lot more of the, the sound and the, the vibrational side of things and how, how that can really help people. And I'd love to do more things like sound baths, things where people can just lie there and relax and and they can, you know, play some different instruments, different tones, vibrations, different things and take them on a journey. And so I guess it's it's perhaps even getting more subtle because you're not even really using words anymore. You know, it's it's just the sound and the frequency. And yeah, I'd like to play more with that, I think, in, mm. in the future. Yeah, mm, yeah that sounds beautiful. Mm. But um, yeah, definitely my meditation practice, or like for myself, I would love to increase that as well because I, I know a lot of people don't like meditation, so I'm sorry if you're listening and you don't, but, <laughs> but I personally love it. I, I don't know if it's because it allows me to almost escape this world. Maybe, maybe it's like my drug at the moment, I don't know. <laughs> but And also to, to feel things that I find that when I'm just sitting there and really focused and whether it's breath or visualization or a, a technique that I might be using for the day, I start to feel almost like electricity. You know, it's like you can feel the power and sometimes it's connection, it's love. It's, you can 
you know, it's and it's so strong. And for me, it's, it's almost like magical. And so I would love to delve into that more, especially in terms of, I guess, the intuitive side as well. And even I've been, a lot of my friends know this and, and you guys might know, but I've been wanting to develop more like the intuitive or psychic abilities, which I think everyone has. It's just not everyone is aware of it or not everyone wants to go there or train that part of themselves. But um, that's something that I've been wanting to go into more as well. And it's, it's not so much yoga, but I find that it complements it, the yoga. It sounds yeah. like it's something that is happening in your classes quite mm. effortlessly anyway. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I think, I, like, I, I don't really want to be a fortune teller or, you know, read crystal <laughs> balls, any of that. Well, not now anyway. <laughs> Maybe later. But I, I find it fascinating. And if it's just to help myself and to put me on track, then that's enough. Or, you know, if it's to help my classes, then great. I guess as well, intuition, it's just another layer of awareness and mm -hmm. clear-sightedness. Exactly. And yeah. even one of the cities, one of those traditional yoga superpowers that you might develop. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty much the same thing. It's just different words, different ex explanations and different whatever lineages or traditions. But yeah, I find a lot of it, you know, religion, yoga, there's, there's so many similarities. It's all connected. I think it's interesting mm. as well when you said how a lot of people don't like meditation. Mm. I think a lot of the time people have a certain idea in their minds of what meditation is, mm -hmm. whether that's stilling the mind or not having any thoughts, and it just sets them up to feel like they're failing at meditation and it's totally. really hard and really boring. Totally. Yeah, and I think it's so important to find something that you love, whether it's swimming laps or whether it's, you know, rowing a boat or, or just sitting with a cup of coffee and staring out into the horizon. Like, you can bring meditation, mindfulness into anything. It doesn't have to be sitting there in silence. <laughs> you had yeah. your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm fully immersed in this coffee. <laughs> Savoring every moment. <laughs> nice. If you could distill everything you've learned and everything you're learning and, and teaching out into the world and distill it down to one core lesson, what do you think that would be? Yes, that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> we saved the best for last. Yeah. I think from what I've learned, for, for me anyway, and, and what I'd like to share with others is and i think i mentioned it a little bit to sort of find what you love and or even is it marie kondo who's like what sparks joy mm -hmm. you know and what really brings joy to your life because i think it was a quote that i read i, I can't remember the quote but basically the, <laughs> i'm going to paraphrase that you know they they said that there's pleasure and and pleasure is more bodily more physical and above pleasure there's there's happiness and that's with feelings and, and emotions. And that's, that's also good too, but they're both sort of fleeting. They change. Whereas with joy and, and this is just semantics, like, you know, it's, it's how you want to think of the word. It can be joy. It can be love. It can be light, but with joy, it's more a state of being, you know, and it's, it's perhaps more, not so much bodily, not so much feelings, and emotions but it's a, a more like heart related or soul related you know it brings joy to to your heart to your soul and that doesn't really go so if you can stay in that state and and live your life or practice yoga practice that then i, I feel like you can't go wrong <laughs> absolutely that's a beautiful lesson oh thank you Fantastic. Well, thank you so, so much for speaking with us today. Such a great right. conversation. So, so good to have you here. So, yeah, thank you, You're William. You're welcome. It's, you it's so an honour. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed listening to our episode with William. He's got some great stuff going on. He's an amazing teacher and a dedicated practitioner. So if you haven't already, you should check out one of his retreats or classes. I wanted to quickly thank our new Patreon supporters for this month. Polly McGee, Adrian and Renee Wallace, and Ed and Ann Stewart. Thank you so much. Your support means so much to Joe and myself. 
Now, I just mentioned Polly McGee a moment ago. Now, as well as being one of our newest supporters on Patreon, she's going to be on the next episode of the podcast. Now, if you're wondering, she supported us way after we recorded this episode, so there's no conflict of interest there. All right, Polly is the author of the book, The Good Hustle, and I was fortunate enough to go to a workshop she held in Melbourne recently, and personally, I think she's amazing. She's a bundle of energy and love, and she has so much wisdom and great advice to share on the business of yoga or any heart-centered business in general. So look out for that episode in a fortnight. Our theme song is Baby Robots by Go Soul and is used with permission. Buyers music from gosoul.bandcamp.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. Joe and I really appreciate it. It really means a lot. You'll hear from us again in two weeks. Aroha nui. Big, big love.